okay, you're okay. Really? Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. I'm here to help you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Now, I'm not a therapist for terrorists and I'm not a terrorist. I'm someone who has been helping families keep calm and carry on since 9-11 when I devoted myself to this, helping Americans and the world cope. So what's that mean, I'm okay and you're okay, not really? Uh, well, I'm not okay about how the world, the media, and people seem to be wanting to pretend that they are okay, especially in New York, after we just had what has been called the most serious terror attack in New York City since 9-11. Of course, I'm talking about the Halloween attack, where a man, a terrorist, um, inspired by ISIS and proud of it, took a truck and mowed down people in Lower Manhattan, right near Ground Zero. And yet, even though, okay, October 31st, so we're talking about 10 days approximately since the attack, and it is nowhere, practically nowhere, certainly not on the first page, and it is practically nowhere in the news. Why is this? This is one of the most uh, chilling and dramatic examples of what America is doing in regard to terrorism in general. We are in denial. We do not want to think about this. We do not want to think that another 9-11 could happen, that another terror attack like what happened on Halloween could happen, or in Orlando, or in San Bernardino, or in the Boston Marathon, or any place else in America, or certainly in Europe, and all over the rest of the world. So even though this happened, and of course the terrorist has admitted that he chose um, to do it on Halloween so that he could have the most people killed and injured because he was expecting people to be trick-or-treating, although he really was a little early for that. But he did time it to when children um, from elementary school, middle school, and high school were being released from school. It was around the 2.30, 3 o'clock, 2 o'clock in their hour, general time frame. Uh, and it, and he was only stopped. It would have the death toll of the toll of the injured would have been much higher had he not crashed into a bus, a school bus, unfortunately, of children with special needs, where two were injured and two teachers were injured. And right at the doorsteps of, of as I said, an elementary school, an, an, an intermediate school, a middle school, and a high school as well as children from a different school who were on the bus. And yet, not only are we, uh, America, Americans, the media, pretending that this never happened, but even the, um, the re response at the schools by the teachers, by some of the teachers and the principal and um, some of the parents, also, is they're looking at their kids if they're not seeing any immediate, uh, clear evidence of some kind of behavioral problem, psychological problem. They are just want to convince themselves, I'm okay, you're okay, and they're okay. 
And, well, you know, you might be thinking, I know what you're thinking, so why am I bringing this up? Why am I, you know, disrupting this lovely denial? <laughs> let people rest in peace. <laughs> not, not that way. But let people be, be peaceful, calm, uh, you know, think that, they're, think that they're okay. Why is that bad? Well, I'm going to talk to you about that today. And um, the, 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 the sort of the quickie answer, which I'll go into in more detail, but the quickie answer is because if these things, if these feelings aren't expressed to parents, to teachers, um, to adults, grown-ups, and encouraged to be expressed, then they are going to fester inside of the children and the adults, for that matter, inside all of us, if we're not talking about it, um, but especially the children, and especially the children who were at ground zero, so to speak, of this truck attack. So let me um, back up a little bit and talk first about, are you a victim of a terror attack, even if you've never been hurt in one? In other words, if you were nowhere near the Halloween attack, is that still going to affect you? Or if you were near there, but you weren't injured, and no one you knew was injured or killed, would that affect you? Well, the answer is yes. We are all affected. And some people are affected more than others. The closer that you were, not only geographically, but emotionally, to a terror attack, like the one at Halloween, the more it affects you. So there, you can look at it like there are different levels of psychological impact of a terror attack as concentric circles of influence. In other words, if you, if you circle in your mind the area where the uh, Halloween attack occurred, then the further out you are from that circle, that ground zero I'm going to call it, the, the less you may be influenced psychologically, unless, of course, you spent a lot of time watching this on television, reading about it on the internet, or perhaps watching it on the internet, listening to it on the radio, <laughs> listening to podcasts like this. No, podcasts like this are helpful because when I'm talking about the feelings. It may make you feel a little uncomfortable right now. Perhaps you're thinking, you know, again, you don't want to be disturbed. You'd rather think that you're okay. And the people you care about, like let's say you know people who live in New York or you're in New York and you're thinking, I want to, this, it was sad. It was really sad and tragic and people were killed and injured and I feel bad for them. But, you know, I'm really okay. So at the site, you know, think about the people who are at the site, they, of course, the people who were injured at any site of a terror attack, not just Halloween, but people who were injured in any uh, site of a terror attack, whether it was 9-11, the Halloween attack, Orlando, San Bernardino, the Boston Marathon, Manchester, the concert, London, Nice, Germany, Belgium, etc. Anyone who was actually at the site of these attacks and were injured were the most affected psychologically. Then the next concentric circle of psychological influence would be if you're a friend or a family member of a victim who was hurt or killed in a terror attack. Then another, the next concentric circle would be 
if you were, uh, if you lived or happened to be nearby a terror attack. So, you know, um, if you were, obviously, if you lived nearby what I'm calling ground zero of the Halloween attack, or, you know, there were lots of people just uh, bicycling through there, um, and, you know, perhaps if they weren't injured or killed, of course, um, but they were bicycling through and think, oh, there, but for the grace of God, go I, that would be a very serious level concentric circle of psychological impact. And then, as I was starting to say, the, then the next circle would be those of you who watched it really observe, absorbed yourself in the media about the attack or any attack. The more exposure that you have to a terror attack through the media, the more you are likely to get PTSD or other psychological problems. It's, in other words, it is proportional to the amount of media that you watch about a particular attack and to the kinds of media that you watch or that you, that you absorb. You know, so that, for example, if you watch a lot of television and if you watch it on a big screen and if you watch particularly, you know, the scenes of, of um, showing the violence uh, or showing people covered in the streets, uh, the more, you know, as opposed to, let's say, just hearing it on the radio or hearing it on a podcast, not that, that it, that's going to affect you as well, but not in the same, to the same degree as something that is a little more sensational. Um, then uh, another concentric circle is um, something, I'm gonna, something that, that just popped up in the news. Uh, this is sort of a new thing for how you are going to be influenced by terrorism. Um, hacking. There are two instances of hacking have just popped up where this past week where ISIS is now getting very sophisticated. It's not enough that they're putting videos on the uh, internet, um, <coughs> recruitment videos. You know, and you may know that the man who, um, who was the terrorist in the Halloween attack, when they looked at his uh, phone and they found uh, thousands of videos of, uh, from ISIS, and thousands of just different websites and, and um, places that he had gone on the internet where he was influenced and inspired by ISIS. So that's not enough, though. <coughs> ISIS is, is having a new tech, and that is to hack various sites. So um, the, the uh, news that came out today is that ISIS hacked a Swedish radio station and broadcast a recruitment song on repeat. In other words, it played this song over and over again for a half an hour. And the song was For the Sake of Allah. That's the name of the song. And this was a Swedish commercial radio station that was hijacked by ISIS. And this song kept going on and on again. And it's a song that is used by ISIS to recruit foreign fighters to come to Iraq and Syria. And this was a morning radio show in Sweden that was suddenly interrupted by this ISIS propaganda. And uh, it's one of the most 
one of the most popular commercial radio stations called Mix Megapole. And it had finished, you know, one of their shows. And all of a sudden, um, the, their normal broadcast was interrupted by this ISIS song. And, um, you know, it, of course, they scrambled to try to figure out what was going on and to, to fix it. Um, but they couldn't do it, you know, before it played for a half an hour. And it started at about 8.30 uh, Swedish time. And, um, and, and it was reported to the police. And the song itself is about three minutes long. So it's been, it was played 10 times uh, during these 30 minutes. And it was played um, in, in, in Sweden's largest, third largest city. And it, they, the only way that they discovered it was um, listeners calling the radio station. I guess they weren't listening to their own, uh, to what was playing. So, um, so they, you know, they, they eventually um, took care of it. And hopefully they are putting in... Uh, more safeguards, but this isn't clear. I mean, this just happened. Now, what's interesting, I, I, Sweden, you know, Sweden was, is always thought of as, as a place, I mean, there have been some terror attacks in Sweden, but it's, um, in general, it's thought of as a place where, that has been relatively free from terror attacks and from terrorism in general. But it turns out that 300 people have left Sweden, the beautiful country of Sweden, to go fight for ISIS. And that means that Sweden is in second place after Belgium for the number of ISIS fighters per capita who left their home to uh, go to Iraq and Syria to fight for ISIS from Sweden. Oh, you know, it's just, you wouldn't, <laughs> Sweden seems like such a beautiful place to live. You wouldn't think that people would um, would do that. But apparently there is a lot of propaganda in Sweden, and now it includes hacking radio stations. Now, a little closer to home, if you think that these things are only going on in places like Sweden, think again. Just this past week, the Bloomfield, New Jersey School District's website was hacked by ISIS supporters, along with hundreds of other school districts. There is a main website or a web, um, uh, a web, a web hub called School Desk, which is a company that maintains a site that schools um, use about 800 schools and districts, school districts, um, use this school desk uh, company site, and um, they are, they're able to, you know, that's sort of the, I guess it would be the, um, the host uh, for these schools to have their own websites on. And so it was hacked by ISIS or ISIS supporters, and it uh, displayed a video message in support of ISIS, a recruiting video for ISIS, for about two hours before it was taken down. 
I mean, I don't know. I find this mind-blowing that these things could be on the radio in Sweden for half an hour and to be on this school website for two hours. And uh, the company that maintains the site said that they discovered that uh, a small file was injected into the root of one of its websites. So it infected the whole site. You know, um, <laughs> ISIS is getting more sophisticated um, as we are trying to do things, as we do do things, to try to protect the United States from um, ISIS intervention in various ways, uh, they are getting more sophisticated, just like they're getting more sophisticated in terms of what they put on airplanes uh, to try to bring down airplanes. They are getting more sophisticated in general in terms of trying to, to recruit. And... Um, this is obviously really dangerous, especially, I mean, you know, it's bad enough on a radio station uh, with a, a song on a radio station that is meant to recruit, but to have a video on a school website that went out to numerous schools, um, hundreds of other school districts had access to this. I mean, that is even, of course, more serious because, because, kids or parents going to that site, um, you know, it, it, it conveys the message, of course, which is why ISIS chose this site. It conveys the message that the schools are condoning this recruitment video and condoning the idea that kids should join ISIS. And of course, kids are so incredibly vulnerable to taking in ideas even if the ideas are to join ISIS. I mean, it, you know, it looks like a video game. So, so these are very troubling kinds of things. And to get back to my con concentric circles, um, so I was talking about if you're actually injured at the site, starting with that being the worst. If you have a friend or family member who's a victim who was hurt or killed, that's the next concentric circle out from being the most psychologically impacted than if you live or happen to be nearby, then if you had exposure from the media and the more exposure you had, the more psychologically influenced you would be. Now these hacks that I'm talking about. And last but not least, 9-11. And um, I have talked about this before because, <laughs> because people have a hard time taking this thought in. Um, and that is that we, uh, America, not only anyone who was alive around at 9-11, but uh, like grown-ups at 9-11, but even to a lesser degree, but even children who weren't born or weren't old, you know, who were like a baby uh, that, that still had an impact actually, but they weren't exactly able to understand what was going on. But even children who weren't born, let's say, on 9-11, have been impacted by 9-11 because every year, as we should have, um, we have anniversary celebrations and um, they hear about it to more or less extent. And of course, we, we, I'm certainly not saying that we shouldn't be having these anniversary um, honors, honors of the victims. Um, and, and we certainly should be talking about it in terms of terrorism not just that two planes, two pilots had an accident and went into the World Trade Center and, uh, 
and the Pentagon and a field in Pennsylvania. Um, so of course we have to talk about that, but I'm just saying that grown-ups, as grown-ups, as parents, as teachers, as all of us, we have to recognize that our children are influenced by this, and we have to recognize first that we are still being affected by 9-11. The obesity epidemic from, from all the comfort food that we still continue to consume to comfort ourselves, our anxiety, our feelings, um, this is, uh, this these things that I'm talking about now in regard to 9-11 have been proven by statistics. There are statistics measured, measuring the obesity crisis, for example, measuring how much alcohol and drugs we've been using since 9-11, although they don't use 9-11 as the, they don't sort of acknowledge that 9-11 is the starting point, but they will say, for example, in the period from 2000 to 2014 or whenever the study ended, whatever statistics they were able to last look at. So like 2000 to 2016 or 2001 to, you know, this basic time frame or 2002 to the present. In these years, this, this general time frame since 9-11, there has been, and it is statistically supported, an increase in obesity, an increase in comfort food causing obesity, an obesity crisis uh, that is causing, uh, you know, all kinds of problems, health problems, diabetes, an increase in diabetes. That's related to the increase in obesity, of course. Uh, an increase in alcoholism, an increase in drug abuse, an increase in insomnia, an increase in suicide, an increase in economic problems, which hopefully are gradually being uh, addressed, at least now. Um, but still, all of these different things are examples of how our minds have been affected um, still by 9-11, even though we're in, many of us are in denial about that and about terrorism in general and about how it is impacting us psychologically. And the economic downturn, now, I, you know, of course there were other factors, things related to the banks and so on, but the fact that we, there's this increase in insomnia we are not sleeping as well, as long or as well, because of this anxiety. And that is making us less productive at work. And so that is a certainly significant contributing factor. So now, what are the things that people should be looking at in their children um, as a result of the Halloween terror attack? Uh, and how, you know, not just being happy that the children are saying they're okay. Now, in my book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror, uh, which came out this year um, in time for the anniversary of 9-11, this year's anniversary. Um, it is a book that where the first half of the book is directed at grown-ups, particularly parents and teachers, and it talks about things like how to talk to your kids about terrorism, how to help them bring out their feelings about terrorism, expressing their emotions. How many parents um, do you think, after the Halloween attack, how many parents do you think sat down with their kids after they went trick-or-treating or the next day uh, or in the next week, at any time, between, between Halloween and today, and got their children, asked their children how they feel 
about the terror attack, whether these were kids at any of the schools near grounds, what I'm calling ground zero, or whether these are kids in the rest of New York or any place else. The number is very small. And that is very unfortunate because kids are festering. The feelings that they have, if they are not encouraged to bring them out, then they are sitting inside of them and they are festering. And that is making it harder for them to do things like study, like do well in school, like pay attention when they're feeling distracted, like, oh my God, are we going to have another attack today? Um, we parents and teachers, you know, need to be bringing these, these need to be, first of all, giving the kids the okay, need to be, need to be acknowledging that it is important for them to ask questions, for them to say how they feel, um, and, and not to just, you know, look at your child and if they're not crying or, um, uh, doing, behaving badly, um, that you, that you don't talk about it, that you just try to sweep it under the rug. Now, in my book, I talk about all the different psychological reactions that kids have to terror attacks, whether they were at the site, you know, near the site of the attack, or whether they're far away from the attack and just watched it on television. And I talk about four uh, specifically different, um, four different kinds of reactions. And that's, I feel scared, I feel sad, I feel mad, and I feel bad. And um, I describe all of the different kinds of behaviors that parents would see um, if children feel, fit into one of these categories, what each category, how each category would manifest itself. And it's, it's not likely that the kids are going to come out and say, I feel scared, for example, unless you ask them about it or you get them to draw pictures of, you know, just get them to draw, get them to play with clay, get them to um, do something else, create, you know, um, get them to, to do a, talk to their puppets. I, I give all different kinds of ways that grown-ups can get children to express how they're feeling. But the number one thing grown-ups have to do first is to give the children the okay, not to pretend to their kids that, oh, it was nothing, or, oh, you're, you know, you're safe. We're all safe, so don't worry about it. That is the worst thing that you can say. And you have to use the word terrorism, and you have to explain what a terrorist is, and I, I, in my book, I was, as I was starting to say, the first half is for, for grown-ups, and there are 88 ways, 88 things that families can do to help them, and particularly the kids, become more resilient. Um, and then the second half, which is, you know, the, oh, there is, this is the first and only book about terrorism for kids. The second half is a picture book. And it answers all of these questions. It answers um, what is a terrorist? Why, are, why do terrorists try to hurt people? What is a terrorist attack? Um, why shouldn't you be scared of a terror attack happening to you? And I talk about all the positive things, the first responders and so on. Then I have a whole section, how do you feel? And I ask kids to draw things. And I have different interactive activities. And then last... What can you do to stay safe? And I talk about 10 things you can do to stay safe from a terrorist. 
and they are things that deal with how things that you can incorporate into your life. I'm not talking so much about, you know, run away. <laughs> I'm talking about what you can do now to make yourself feel stronger. So if there's another terror attack near you or in another part of the country or the world, you will feel strong and you will feel like you can handle it. And so, um, so it, for example, in the I feel scared uh, section, going back to the grown-up section, um, I talk about things like separation anxiety, which would be increased. It is likely, for example, that the kids who were at what I'm calling ground zero of a Halloween attack are having more separation anxiety, that they are finding it harder to separate kids who would just hop away, you know, from their parents when they drove them to school or walked them to school, um, now might well be having separation anxiety, feeling less uh, comfortable that their parents are going to be leaving them. Or post-traumatic stress disorder, um, where, uh, which can come out, it's not just that day, some people of course have it immediately, after a, a trauma, but for some people, it can show up in the in the hours, in the days, in the weeks, in the months after. And I describe some of the symptoms of that. I talk about how obsessive compulsive behavior is related to anxiety and um, phobias. And so, basically, I give all of the different for each of those things: scared sad, mad, and bad, I give all of the different kinds of behaviors that parents should look for and teachers should look for in kids when there has been a terror attack, whether it's at their ground zero, right outside their door, or uh, somewhere else in the world that they learn about through television, the radio, and the internet. I hope, uh, I hope that you will take this to heart. And will each time I try to chip a little bit more through your denial so that you can prepare yourself, make yourself stronger, acknowledge just by saying these feelings, acknowledging these feelings, that is the first step for grown-ups and for kids. So thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. If you would like more information, first of all, if you would like to, to buy my book, it's wherever books are sold, of course, bookstores, online. The easiest place to get it is from the publisher itself, and you can get it from their website. The book, again, is called Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. And the publisher's website is www.terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. And my website, where you can go for all kinds of information, more information about terrorism, uh, quotes, quotes that I have in the media, these podcasts, uh, blogs, um, all different kinds of information that you would, can read about in regard to terrorism, watch in regard to terrorism. And that is www.terroristtherapist.com. Terroristtherapist.com. So thanks for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist.